I'm all about the good vibes, the good vibes. We better have a good time, a good time. Leave my problems all behind, all behind. We living out the good life, the good life, yeah. I ain't gotta worry about a thing. It's so good to finally be on here and meet you kind of face to face. So good. So for those that don't know, Crystal and I have, we, we got, um, we met on Instagram. She sings, uh, one of my favorite, favorite, um, Christian gospel songs, what mercy did for me. Um, and it was, it was, I just had to reach out somehow. And I remember I was doing a video with Christian and I think that's kind of like how we made the connection. Mm-hmm. The video got to you, you liked it, and we, we started like connecting and building from there. So appreciate all the work that you do. You know, love everything that you do and excited to have you on the show. Thank you so much. And when you made that video, literally just melted my heart. And Micah, that is the other writer on the song, as well as his other singer, Micah Tyler, yeah. he and I just were like this. I mean, our hearts just melted. and immediately felt um like i wanted to meet you someday so this is this is really cool for me as well yes of, of course we, we actually had planned to do it in person before the the whole covid thing happened you know back in yeah. you know in the early spring but you know god works in mysterious ways and, and here we are here we are i mean this is kind of how i'm running everything I do right now, like all my co-writes, everything is right here out of this. This is my room. <laughs> so, wow. Wow. Yeah. So, so let's get into it a little bit. So let's uh, talk to the people a little bit about Crystal Yates version number one. Let's take us back really quick. You know, how did you get into singing? What was the inspiration behind that? Um, so, so take us through the story. Well, when I was a little girl, um, my granny used to take me to her church and when I was five, I'll, I will never forget um, the first time I sat in church and, and saw a husband and wife um, and they were singer songwriters and they were doing like a concert. But it was only the two of them. And I just, my eyes just flooded with tears and I was really hooked from that moment on. I knew I wanted to emulate what these people were emulating from the stage, right. touching someone's heart. Like mine was being touched and um, it began to consume me at the age of five to make music, to create music, and to put out music that would touch people's hearts. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. So, like, so a lot of the stuff, you know, like you're saying, like, came from church, and you've always been into, you know, church and, and Christian music and stuff like that. 
Not always. No, not always. Okay. <laughs> no, yeah. no. I mean, my granny would take me to church um, when I go see her, see her during the summer. But I always tell people when they're like, "Oh, well, what's your background? What are you Baptist? Are you Catholic?" Or and I was like, mm, "I'm heathen. I was raised. Uh, I was raised heathen. I was heathen. So, yeah, I was raised heathen." And my granny would take me to church in the summer. I had a granny that was a Pentecostal prayer warrior, and the other one kept a spit cup on the ironing board. Wow. <laughs> and I'm from the originally from the Panhandle, of Florida. So that's like deep south. That's like lower Alabama. And so I grew up um, listening to like soul and country and New Orleans jazz and the gospel music. Everything was a huge influence. And so that kind of all went down in, into my heart. But it wasn't until I got older that I really got into writing okay. uh, Christian and gospel because I had such an amazing experience um, when I was 18. It, it, was, it was such an amazing experience of just not knowing which way was up or down or left or right or where I would go or what I would do and just cried out in a very vulnerable moment and just prayed a prayer. And I said, God, if you're real, I need to know. Um, but I don't want to know if you can't love me because I've broken all your rules. <laughs> so I <laughs> like, and that, that is the, that is the whole reason we were, we wrote what mercy did for me. It was, um, I was in a class with a, a bunch of young students. We were at a songwriting camp with a bunch of students and we ran around telling our stories. And I told my story of how I prayed that prayer. And about an hour later, a woman called me on the phone and she had no idea, hadn't heard from her in years. And she said, I, I was, I hope you don't think she said to me, I hope you don't think I sound crazy, but I was praying today. And I just, your name came to my mind. And I just wanted to call you and tell you, no matter what you've done, God loves you and he has a plan for your life. Wow. And so from that moment on, I did the Americana singer songwriter music along with Christian and gospel. And I still do that today. I still love both genres and I still go out. I might be in a wine cellar on Saturday night and, and at church on Sunday morning singing with the choir. So well, I remember you telling me that you, you, you go to, you know, to the wine cellar, but you're you're still singing, you know, in a way to serve the people. Like you're going out actually into the world to serve as well too. So tell us a little bit about that. I remember the story you, you told me, you know, uh, what happened with your family and things of that nature. So if you don't mind sharing, like, you know, to bring that to life. Yeah, I have, um, I have some addicts in my family, um, very close to my heart, um, that it's been really, really hard to know how to reach them. And I have not been really able to uh, because they are not ready. So I write songs. And when I go out, I share these songs that are very vulnerable and real. There's one um, specifically, and I think I've sent it to you before. It's called I Believe. Yeah. And I Believe is, is about just wrestling with um, people that you love that are addicted and not giving up on them. I won't, um, I won't forget. I can't forget this one day I was sitting at the piano um, before I wrote that song. And I thought to myself, I give up, I give up. And I just heard that little voice say, you can't give up on them. You can't, uh, you can't. And so now every bar I go to, to every highway and byway, I will share that song and I will share my story and let people know if they're in the audience and they struggle with addiction, I believe in you. And also if you have someone that you love and you're holding out and waiting for them to get healing and for them to be restored, um, 
this song is for you as well. Don't give up on them. Keep believing um, for them and in them. And that doesn't mean you have to, you know, um, you have to enable, but you can still keep hoping and praying and checking in on them from time to time. And um, that's just kind of where I've landed. But songwriting has been a powerful tool for me to, to share and reach across the great divide and touch hearts and have an experience with people and be able to share. And it's, it's, it's really, really my favorite. It's really fun for me because my favorite part after every show is to sit around and talk to people and hear their story and hear what's going on in their lives. So I will sing songs about divorce. I'll sing songs about, you know, um, family members that are love breaking up I've, I've got all kinds of songs I write and um, and I'll also sing my gospel songs yeah. and tell my story and share with them and every time I end up getting in a conversation with someone and hearing their story and that's why I do this uh, I just think sharing stories with each other is powerful and music has a way when words fail to reach in a heart and open and unlock it like nothing else does it it's done that for me all my life and so that's all i want to do at the end of the day i just want to communicate hey you're not alone um you're loved there's a plan for your life keep going you can do this you're not alone yeah because i mean like it, it's it's like i see people all the time that just they just want to give up they want to just yeah. you know, throw in the towel and not even like live right and it's like, what do you say to a person to let them know that they have purpose? It's like, oh, yeah, well, I've heard that before. Or I've, yeah, I've heard everything that there is under the sun. But the question is, have they truly put in the work to try Jesus? Have they put in the work to, to try God, to give him a, a real, real shot? Most people will tell you, yeah, I went to church, you know, and then they go just a couple of weeks and, and they're expecting change. Yeah, you know, and it just doesn't happen like that. It just doesn't, you know, happen like right when you want to. You have to be committed, you know, to the work. And it's like you have to be determined and and want and actually want the change. Where does your yeah. determination actually come from? And and that's that's a that's a key component too. And and also realizing that the small, whenever um, there's that scripture in the Bible that says if you have a mustard seed of faith you can look at a mountain and say moved and it'll be moved yeah. and so that to me says hey you don't have to do this complicated some days it's it's good if you just get up and go and you put whatever you can put in and even no matter how small and god will meet you and he will speak purpose in your life and he will speak um love and healing i mean i've, I've walked through at that vulnerable moment when i was 18 to kind of revisit is I was ready to give up. I had been wearing a mask uh, and not been really truly being authentic before people. And it all kind of just fell on me that one day, like a ton of bricks. I was losing my scholarship. What's that? Is this like the moment that everything shifted in your life? Yeah, everything shifted in that moment. I was losing my scholarship. I um, had made some really bad choices. They were very self-destructive. Um, I had been through physical and sexual abuse, um, and just so many different things. Um, I, I was a victim of violence and, um, just all culminated. And when I looked in the mirror that one day, when I prayed that prayer, I didn't like who I was. I didn't even know who I was. I, I wasn't sure 
um, who I was. And so that moment at 18 began a journey to here I am now, I'm 42. Um, (laughs) And so here I am at 42. Well, praise the Lord. (laughs) Uh, So here I am at 42, still believing all these years later that I have purpose. And I also believe that for other people. And that's why I, I write because at that vulnerable moment, when the mask came off and I didn't know who I was, it was awesome how God sent a little messenger to tell me exactly who I was. And all it was is you're loved and there's a plan for you. And all you got to do is give him that little bit and he will meet you and he will bless you and he'll be faithful. I I can attest to that. You know, when Christian was diagnosed with leukemia, it was a really like, challenging moment for for me and my family right and i had this moment with god and my yo like i I need to know what you want me to do you know i I had i actually left the hospital room left my family in the hospital room not far but i just had to go be alone with him because i feel like i'm the priest of my of my home and yeah i'm the king of my house so i need i need to make sure that i come in here with a plan right and he he told me to go in and pray with your family around Christian before chemo even hit his body and meet him halfway. I'm like, all right, like that sounds all well and good, God, but for real, like you know, if we keep it real, it's like that sounds good, but it's real. But I didn't know who was real until I actually tried it, right? Right. <laughs> So I had to go in, and this is where faith comes in. This is where trust in him comes in. Mm. And doctors were saying that, you know, we could be in here for about 300 days or more because our first round of chemo was 32 days. So they were at every round after that, the next, you know, four or five rounds are going to be about 32 days plus. So we mean we're going to be in here longer than 32 days every time they said yeah most likely that's how it goes but god sat there and cut his recovery time in half on every single round where 300 days turned into 149 days and we met him halfway so it's so guys that are listening out there you gotta meet you gotta meet him halfway you got right Put in, put in the work to, to meet them halfway. You just can't, like, you know, throw, throw a pity party. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, yeah. listen, we've all been there. We've all gone through some things. But if you really want to change, if you really want to make a shift in your life, you got to go ahead and put in the work. We've got Crystal Yates here on the Clutch Vision podcast. Share this video. Share this podcast with your mama, your daddy, your uncle, your auntie, your grandma, your grandpa, abuela, abuelo. I don't care who it is. Share it with your step dog, your step iguana, your step cat. Share share with everybody that needs to be hearing this message and everything right now. If you're listening to this on Spotify, on on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, make sure you give us a nice little review, a five-star review. If you're listening to this on YouTube, give us a like and comment below. Now, Crystal, you were mentioning that, you know, you were, you know, sexually abused and things in that nature, you know? Like mentally, what does what did that do to you? Because it's like you know you were violated in a sense. So like, yeah. overcome that mentally. Um, I think deep down within me, um, there was this victim 
Um, and I felt very victimized and that I couldn't do anything about it for a long time. Um, even after um, having that moment with the Lord. And then I met people, I surrounded myself with people that, oh gosh, it just, it just brings tears to my eyes that encouraged me, that prayed for me. They didn't um, necessarily tell me what to do. They just said I could do it. And I began to believe and I, um, I, I went through a really deep depression uh, in my early 20s and didn't know. And I, I had blamed myself. I thought, what is wrong with me? You know, what's going on? But what I did was I would just get up and I'd do little things like I'd put some makeup on. Like I didn't, I didn't feel like I was worthy for a long time. And, and you kind of do that. If you've been through that, um, any of any guys are women. I mean, it's not, not just happened to women. Um, if you've been through abuse and physical and sexual, um, that's what it's designed to do. And the enemy will tell you, you're not worthy. You're not worth it that happened to you because you were in the wrong place at the wrong time or this and the blame and the shame. And it's just all garbage. And it didn't, it didn't do anything to heal my heart. So I just began surrounding myself with really good people. I went into counseling. I began to counsel with some very kind people. And you know, like there's been counselors I've worked with that didn't work for me and that's okay. Uh, but find someone. That's what God put them here to do, to help you walk through. You don't have to be alone. There's nothing wrong with getting some professional help. Um, there's different, I mean, there are some people that take meds. There's some people that don't. Um, just follow the Lord. Pray. God will guide you and lead you on your path for this and how to get free and find healing. And it may take a long time. I mean, I just went through the, like um, a new therapy called EMDR last year because it kind of reared its ugly head again. I, you know, I thought counseling had helped, but again, sometimes to make it through mothering and stuff, it's almost like those, those issues get back burnered. And that doesn't mean that that's bad or good or anything, but I came to a place in my life where, um, I wasn't feeling like I could cope or deal. And so I sought help again. I mean, it just don't be ashamed and humble yourself, walk humbly and surround yourself with people and a community that will tell you, Hey, do not do this. You know, don't do this to yourself. Don't believe that that's not true. And they'll speak to the lies. They'll cast them out and they'll tell you who you are, that you're loved, you're a child of God, you're filled with purpose. And those are the mantras. I just, I literally have to repeat every day, but it is, it is those little things. And I know, it's not comfortable, but that's where the magic happens. It happens in the uncomfortable. I mean, I mean, listen, how are pearls really made? You know, that's you right. Oyster to develop a pearl, the oyster has to be is uncomfortable every time it develops that pearl. You know, yeah. so we gotta get uncomfortable. We have to have to have uncomfortable conversations in order to get through. And you know, and here's what I say to people that have been through what you've been through or any type of challenge. And I say, I always say, set the atmosphere, right? And the reason why I say, I, I say set the atmosphere is because that's the main thing that we did. Um, the first step that we did with my son Christian, setting the yeah. atmosphere. And we couldn't allow any type of negativity to roll into the room, you know, at any point. Yeah. 
And if it did, we had to deal with it immediately because we couldn't let that type of energy infiltrate into our son. Mm-hmm. that He is trying to be healed at this moment. It's like we were like guarding him in a sense. And, and what Crystal is saying, guys, is find those people that are going to guard you so that yeah. he doesn't come in. Like find those people. You'll, you'll certainly know like who those people are. Yes. You just know like, like, don't just sit there with somebody and just because they say that they're professional at this, they may not be the professional for you. you know? Yes. Yes. And, and find that fit for you. Like, that's important. It's okay to do, to take time and find um, what is going to fit your journey and who. Yeah. It's okay. Definitely. Got to. So definitely, like, guys, you got to make sure we set the atmosphere. I do this thing, Crystal, with... Um, I have this program called Shift Makers that's coming out July 25th, right? And we do this exercise um, called the Pillars of Strength, right? And the Pillars of Strength comes from um, the uh, from Judges with Sam, the story of Samson, right? And mm. with Samson, as you know, like he, there are these pillars, right? Before he pushed the pillars out, he asked God for his strength. Um, uh, one more time before you push the pillars out. Notice how the Philistines were all the negative people that were around him. They were mocking him. They were, they, you know, they beat him up. They gouged his eyes out and stuff like that after yeah. he what his strength was. So basically the pillars of strength, I tell people to do, and you were speaking about doing like a daily practice. This is like a daily practice where people could do every day, which is just take a sheet of paper, put two pillars on both sides of those sheets of paper. In the middle of the, of the pillars, write down all the positive tangibles that you have going on in your life. I don't care if it's one, mm-hmm. you know, five, yeah. it doesn't matter. Write them all down, right? Then on the outside of the pillars, we write down all the negatives that are going mm-hmm. on, right? Write them all down and keep it real with yourself. I don't care if you got a hundred negatives, right? What we do is we focus on those positives and how they're actually going to push out all those negatives. So for mm-hmm got toxic issues i mean toxic uh, uh relationships if you if you have um you know uh, harmful thoughts or anything mm-hmm. like that going on what are the positive tangibles that you have that can actually attack those negatives good. yeah push them out and every single time you do it every day it's like a daily daily practice right so what what are some of the daily practices that you do to keep yourself motivated to keep yourself going and inspired Honestly, uh, just worshiping, um, because that gets the focus off myself and it gets the focus. I mean, I just will throw some music on. It doesn't even have to have words. I love music without words. Um, because I like to just sit and meditate on, um, those, those scriptures that tell me who I am, that tell me, uh, my worth, my value that I'm a new creation, that God's mercies are new every day. These are the things that um, are important to know about you. And they're not just for me, they're for every single one of us. Mm-hmm. And we've got a real enemy. And those, those pillars, like you described, that are coming in on both sides, it makes me think of that. I'm pressed, but I'm not crushed. Well, mm-hmm. why is that? It's because that the inner strength, the spirit of the living God inside of you is going to press out against them when the pressure comes in. And it is knowing who you are speaking. Also, you have to cast down your imagination. You have to cast down the things that um, a lot of the pressures that 
that we see are um, not even happening. They're in our imagination. Yeah. And so I cast them down and I do that in worship when I'm focusing on God and I'm saying, you're big enough, you're strong enough. And I remember the joy of my salvation. And I remember at 18, he did it then, he can do it again. And you know what? I just am determined to um, die hoping till I get home. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just determined. And it's just, um, it's not even a goal. It's what we're designed for. It's what we're made for. It's not, it's not something that's like, oh, they're so positive. No, this is what you're designed to do. You're designed to live a fulfilling life that touches others, that you're touched, that your family is touched. It's not perfect, yeah. but it's soul touching. I was just reading and I put out a um, kind of a little blurb today on my Instagram. It's interesting to me that Jesus showed up resurrected and healed with scars. Yeah. So to me, what that says is your wounds are your testimony, are the power of God. And they show where you've been, what you've been through. Scars are not detestable to God. They're not a defect to God. They're actually the story of how you overcame. And these are the kind of things you have to remember on the hard days. You have to speak them out loud. So I speak out loud. I, I do. I will put some music on and I will say, uh, I will cast down the lies that I'm believing yeah. or if there's some real things in life going on, you know, maybe, um, right now with Corona going on, maybe the bills are hard to pay and yeah. you know, like God, I don't know how I'm going to pay these bills, but I know, no. I know you can bring away, make me creative. Like yeah. I, I was helping, I got to help some musicians with my mayor's wife in our town. We live in a very, um, uh, music like musician friendly town so lots of music venues lots of singer songwriters right now out of work so my mayor's wife is a singer songwriter and we got together and over the over a week we raised twenty thousand um, dollars I don't have twenty thousand dollars but I was able to get on with my mayor's wife and other artists and sing and we were able to bless and that was what those people said I've been praying for an answer yeah. God is moving people's hearts he's moving things around and just when you think you're not going to make it, the sun will come through because he's faithful. It's not, that's not what God does. That's who he is. He's faithful. Amen. Amen. And you know, you were talking about the scars. It's like, I think about some of the scars that I have or some of the scars that, you know, especially with Christian, Christian has a yeah. on his, uh, on his heart now because of the, the probiac that he had to, to, to wear, um, the whole 149 days that he was in the hospital. So basically there was a needle that was like the size of my finger that went in mm. his heart. Oh. And he had, and then they, they would, they patched it up and he had to wear that for 149 days. That's like kind of like his court. That's where they pump the chemo through and draw the blood from, um, you know, for his meds and stuff like that, you know? So it's definitely like, you know, where your, where your scars at, you know, like in the hood, we say, where, those are your receipts. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I like that. <laughs> you know, receipts said. So it's like, you, you know, that you actually went through something and you got, yeah. the, that you, that you, that you paid the price, you know, wow. and, and everything. So that's why we say, you know, that's where, you, where your receipts at, you know what I mean? <laughs> that's good. And, I mean, that just makes me think of Jesus because all of us, our debt has been paid in full, you know? free and clear. I mean, and, but God allows us, 
the beauty of these scars to have these stories so we can be helpful to each other. We live in a fallen world. I don't know all the answers. I don't have them all, but I do know that our stories are being written and we spur each other on, we help each other on, and we have to. We ha- like right now is the perfect time for us to be neighbors with each other and get to know your neighbor. And, and be loud about it. As believers, you know, we gotta be loud. And yeah. you can't be afraid to be loud as well too, you know? So That's right. some Christians or whatever, they may like hold back a little bit and, and be quiet, but not nah, like, you know, the Bible tells us that we, we are to be loud. We are to, you know, yes. and share and, and, and raise our voices because we, we are the ones that if we know the word, we're supposed to spread that gospel, right? That's right. That's right. That's Come right. on. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so during this time, right, it's like, you know, what do you say to the people right now that, you know, are looking for that hope? They're just looking like somebody's listening right now that may have like said, you know what, I believe in God, but I don't want to deal with God, right? What do you say to reel them back in? I guess I would say the hope that you're looking for is right in front of your face. And all you have to do is literally humble yourself in just a small, open the door of your heart just a little bit and his light will come shining in and humble yourself before God, humble yourself um, before him. Like it, it is, it's hard. It's vulnerable. Be vulnerable with God. He already knows you. He formed you. He made you. It says he knows you before you were formed in your mother's womb that's wow so your creator knows what you need and the thing that you are longing for is actually him you can't run out running you can't no matter if you believe in him or not he believes in you and you just humble yourself just to touch on that you know i know there are people that you know are non-believers and stuff like that and that and i guess that's okay because that's your choice but that's god's yeah because he gives you a choice that's how great he is he gives you a choice yeah it's amazing to me how you know sometimes we we run into those people and then they maybe they've been through something so bad that they just don't want to believe right yeah pretty much said you know what i I don't want nothing to do, do with god i don't believe in this i don't believe in that you know to me it's just amazing because number one every person in the world Although we're all human, we're all one race, right? That's but right. Different, <laughs> and we all are identified differently because there's seven billion of us, and we all have a different fingerprint. How there's not a God to think of that, you know? what I'm saying is yeah. you know, not me the way people, um, you know, can go just stare into that, right? But it's people like yourself and people even like myself that I believe that. Maybe we're, we're using our gift to make the shift. Me with dancing and, and speaking, and then you with your voice and, and singing to, to, to the world and to people, and just living out our true purpose. And I feel that people right now they just they just can't find their purpose. So they've been through so much. They don't they don't even want to deal with with their, with their purpose, right? It, it's like how do you what do you say to those people? Like, listen, yo, like what like finding their purpose. Like for me, I say, remove negativity out of the way and then you're going to see it clear as day and what God has for you, right? So if right. you want to that, what do you feel? 
I just say, let your guard down and give God a chance. Give God a chance to prove himself. If you've never done that, uh, what do you got to lose? Yeah. You know, I mean, what do you got to lose? Let your guard down and let God in and watch him do things he can only do because it is obvious fame and fortune and having things are not fulfilling people. It is the purpose and the intention um, of life that give you fulfillment and serving him and serving other people um, that bring true joy and fulfillment to you. I feel like it's like waiting, you know, we need to wait on the Lord, right? But here, but let me, let me phrase this guys. Let me phrase this for y'all. People will sit there and say, okay, look, I'm, yeah, I'm just going to wait. I don't mean sit there. Right? No. I don't mean sit there. You have to start thinking of waiting like as if you're going into a restaurant and you're going to yeah. school, You know what I'm saying? So waiting on God means like, yeah. what do you do? You know, how yeah. do I do? What do you, you know, where do I need to do? And that's what I did. I'm like, hi, God, what, what, what you need me to do? Because throughout my 20s, I'm going to be real, Crystal, I was like, man, whatever. Like, I understand. I believe. I prayed. I did my thing. But I wasn't as, I didn't have that relationship with him as I should, right? And right. many times people, they get too religious, right? Yep. They get too religious and they, they yep. go far off and start thinking like the Pharisees or whatever. And yeah. They, they don't develop the actual relationship that you yes. have, right? So how yeah. relationship? Yes. That's the most beautiful thing that you can have. That, that's, that's the thing that I treasure the most is uh, when I was walking through therapy um, a couple years ago, um, I just remember thinking, nobody understands what I'm going through. And then I would just hear that little voice. I do. I understand. I'm here for you. Like I, I know your inmost being and that relationship of being fully seen, fully known and fully loved is the most powerful thing. Like being seen as powerful. When somebody looks at you and connects with you, that's powerful. When somebody knows you, that's vulnerability. But when they, they see you and they know you and they still love you and choose you, that makes all the difference in the world. And it's the most powerful thing we can have. And it's the most powerful thing we can realize we have with God. And then we get to go do that with each other. Like when people act, start acting crazy in your life, you know, you're like, I see you, but I love you, but I see you, you know I mean? In marriage, like my husband and I have been married for 22 years. Um, yeah. And so we see each other and we know each other and love is more than a feeling. It is a, it is a high price chosen choice. Just like God that said we were adopted, you know, into sonship, like he adopted us. Um, and so we have to, it's like adopt one another and the kind that says you can act crazy and I'm not going anywhere. Right. Like I'm not going anywhere. I'm here for it. And that's the kind of world I think that in the midst of all this crisis that the kingdom of God is, it's that kind of love. It's that kind of devotion. And we got to be able to be real with each other. Um, 
let the bristling up against each other happen and keep moving forward together. Be good neighbors to each other, be kind to each other, but also say the things that we need to hear. Like you can't just have a relationship that's all like, oh, tell me how wonderful I am. That's just impossible, that's not real. So I have to have the people in my life that say, yeah, girl, I, mm, I don't know about that. I don't think I would say that. And I've got to be that for other people because that's real love. Right. That's watching out for each other. That's taking care of each other. And I'm not talking about being judgy and ugly. I'm, I'm talking about, hey, mm-hmm. you know, I got your back. Like, exactly. You know. and, 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 you know, and it just brings me just to, you know, um, to turn the corner a little bit here, it's like what we're going through now as a society, right? All mm-hmm. the justice that's happening, all the police brutality that's happening in our in our country. Mm. You know, it's like I look at other countries and I see how, you know, they police their country or their city, right? And as a black man, I see like, you know, in the hoods or whatever, there are there are police that are not from those areas and then you go into those areas policing the neighborhood that you have no idea who these people are you you didn't grow up there you didn't i think one thing that that kind of irks me about um the police where or the government rather you send these guys into you know a place where they're not necessarily from maybe they're from Mm -hmm. the outskirts of that area but they, they they didn't really live in that area right and it's like how do we get get through it and and get past this thing and you know from your point of view from where you stand right what do you what are, what do you where do you think uh we should go to move move past this this is how i see it right first you know i see it as number one you know my people are being you know killed and like out of nowhere and I'm not saying that every black person is a saint or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But then on the flip side, you know, as a Christian, you know, God looks at us all as, you know, one race. So I don't necessarily see it as in this is, you know, a white race or a black race. There's no such thing. We're a human race and we just have different nationalities, different ethnicities, you know. So the term racist to me, you know, is just a made up word. And I feel that the term prejudice should probably be used a little bit more. Um, mm. That is truly what is, is happening. Um, there are prejudiced people that are killing Black folks, you know. So, you know, what, what is your, your take on it from where you stand? Well, first of all, um, just as being a, a white woman, um, I'm just so sorry. Um, like, it's, I've wept a lot. <laughs> And, um, and I have very dear friends um, that I just call them and I ask them, how are they doing? How can I help you? How can I pray for you? And, and also, I think for me in my position, the best position I can take is one of humility and humbleness and protecting the best I can and um, putting, pushing forward my, um, my black brothers and sisters, their voices, their arts, their, um, in a way that I have never done before. And I have to admit that I've never done that before. Now I write like 
in my community of writers and stuff, we're Asian, we're, you know, white, we're black, we're, and we actually do the thing of being unified. Um, but the first thing I feel like I have to offer, um, and I think all of us in my position have to see where they need to repent and confess, um, because I think we all can do more. I, I really don't think that when you say, oh, well, I, you know, like I do that. No, 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 no. It's not that time right now. It's time to hear the voices and the cries, just like Jesus hears all of our cries of our brothers and sisters. Hear what um, my black brothers and sisters are saying. Listen with my heart wide open and in contained in that cry, I can hear how I can help. And right now, how I can help is I can, um, like I try to do that on my stories. I'll put, um, my people that I love and just, Hey, listen to them, go listen to what they're doing, check out what they're doing, you know, because it has to be like, we have to be pushing that forward. We have to be repentant. We have to confess and we have to listen and then we have to do. And so we have to do it. And I don't care what it is, do something. It's different than you've ever done before. And, and that's what, and I've gotten together with some different um, people that I lead worship with and we're very multicultural and I've asked, what can we do? And they're like, let's go out together and worship out in the square together and just show people we love God. And so I, I think it's my time to humble myself, give my black brothers and sisters the mic, listen to their cries, hear how I can help and humble myself and help in every way that I can. Now, the thing with the police brutality, I, since I was a young girl, I've always thought, um, and I mean, gosh, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I've always, I have huge respect for the, the people that put their lives on the line. They're obviously just like, you know, singer songwriters. We're not all like just sitting around waiting for people to give us money. <laughs> you know, like, like some people have things about artists and writers, like they have prejudice against artists and writers. And sometimes I feel that, you know, um, yeah. not every pop is bad, like we were saying. And, um, there's a lot of really good people that would take a bullet for people and lay down their lives. But then there's the ones that act out of fear that are prejudiced, that are filled with hate. And I gotta say, I don't know that the length of time and the amount of education needed for police officers is sufficient. Like for me, that's something I've noticed since I was young. Yeah, I agree. I, I look at other countries and I see that it's two years or three years. Yeah. The training, I believe here, the training is very, very short. You're probably- It's like a diploma, I think in like eight weeks or something, or, you know, like, and not not to say that you know just because you don't go to college but the time would begin to weed out some of that those kind of people i think if they were educated if they went through psych you know like more psychological evaluations i'm not saying that they're not going through that but it has to be way when you give someone a gun you know like and put them out on the street you know like let's just slow this process down a little bit like and like I, I've, I've been having this conversation and I've been saying this. I believe that the police need further, more extensive evaluation mentally, right? And mm -hmm. I, 
that it that it needs to be more uh, frequent, and you know, not just once a year, just all the time. It need because I think that you need to go in and see the site after you come in. You know, every couple weeks after you come off the street because you're dealing with society and you're out there laying your life on the line. And who knows what is really going on out there in the street. And it could really flip your lid on yeah. how you act, right? So if you're not stable enough to go back out into the world and into the street, maybe you need to sit behind the desk. I was going to say, maybe you need to answer some phones or something. Because trauma is real. It's, it's real. And it, it'll turn like... And then there's just some people who have bad hearts. I hate to say it, but they're in the world. They're people that, well, it's not that, I mean, I hate to say that about anybody because I want to hope for everyone. Like my heart is, is to hope for everyone, but there are some people, the way they are wired is with hate and they don't know, they don't know how to, you know, I mean, that's all of us. It doesn't matter where you come from. Now, 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 now to their, in their defense, they weren't born like that, right? Mm-hmm. No child, I don't care who you are, there's no child that's born in this world with that yeah. in their heart. That is huh. that is taught from, from childhood, where when you start to actually can remember things, you know, the people who raise you, they teach you these things, and they teach you this, yeah. this is, you know, you don't like these people, we don't like these people, or you, you've seen something, and then that hate starts to actually develop. I always, I've been saying this the past couple of weeks, past couple of weeks, change doesn't start in the White House, change starts in your house, period. That's right. It, it really does. And I think that if we understand that in today's society and our children, the change starts here. How you develop your child, how you train your child. The Bible says, Proverbs 22 and 6, train a child in the way that they should go, Right. We need to train them a certain way. Now, which way they go, that's up to them. That's their choice. But train them in the way that they should go. You know, and if we do that, then we, we're making some sort of progress, at least on, on our end here. And, you know, this, it's like, I also believe that we need an early intervention, both mm-hmm. black, white, yeah. it doesn't matter. We need an early intervention. And the reason why I say early intervention is because Christian and people that, that are in special needs, they have early intervention, you know, when they're like three months old. Yeah. They're, to get their PT, their OT, their, you know, their speech therapy. Like Christian had it for the first three years of his life to get all of his stuff. Like the state would provide this, right? We need an early intervention as parents. We need early intervention for our children. Because these things need to happen so that we're developing good people. And yeah. why I say that, for Black people, you know, Crystal, the first thing that we see when we're, when we're actually able to remember is, you know, a broken down hood. Or maybe the father is not there, right? Or maybe, you know, we, we look outside and we see our streets are dirty and we see projects and then we... We're in all these different places, you know, we're going from, we're moving from this place to that place, from this place to that place. It's a lot of moving around, right? That's your, your, your typical black person or whatever is what the imagery of what they're actually seeing. And your typical white person is more than likely seeing, um, 
the imagery of clean street suburbs, positivity around, there's no gunshots going on, there's none of that popping off. Maybe yeah, nobody's life is perfect or whatever, but let's 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 be honest. So that's what we're seeing, right? At first from the from the rip. So that's why I say that early intervention is so important to give black kids a chance. That's why we always say like, yo, you know, a lot of white people are starting on the 50 yard line. We're starting way back on the one yard line and having to actually catch up. Why? Because where we're at, it's like we are in, in a place where there's no way out. There's no way out and we're, we're already doomed. And if we, we gotta, you know, that's why we, we carry a basketball. That's why we carry a football. We rely on our athletic ability or our singing ability or our rapping ability to get us out of what what our environment is because we don't want to become a, a product of that, right? So my question is, is how do you how do you uh, turn that message, you know, to the white community to to educate them even more on the realness of what you know we have gone through as as mm-hmm. As a country, black people, like how do you how do you drive that home with your platform? Well, right now, like just um, I've been doing a lot of, and I hope it doesn't sound like I'm 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 not being proactive. I've been doing a lot of praying and soul searching on how can I speak to my white friends that um, that is I, going full throttle yet. Yeah. Like, how can I do this long-term? I am very interested in the long haul. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of person I am. That's the way I'm built. I try to do a few things like right up front, um, just to show like, Hey, I'm in this, I'm here, you know, but this is not a sprint for me. I think more marathon. So I think like, how can I, um, how can I be changed and how can I have those conversations, um, with maybe maybe some of my friends that are kind of I see them defensive or you know and I'm like oh <laughs> you know, like it's hard right now it is hard to love people um because me I feel like our best way to move forward is to not be defensive is to lay down your defense open your ears and challenge yourself and say what you're doing right now is not enough because we hear the cries of our brothers and sisters, our black brothers and sisters. We have to listen. We, we have to, God has gotten our attention and we, we can't miss this. And you know what? The generation behind me, they're going to let it's, they're beautiful. I mean, they just really are like, they're, they are out in the streets. They're there. And I'm just watching and just like, and I'm moved. I'm like to tears. I'm just watching. Um, but when you get up into my age and a little bit older, um, there's, um, there's some people that are, you know, they'll start being defense. If I'm just being honest, like I I know those people, they're in my life. Um, and me, I am. Okay. I am the kind of person that I have to work really hard at being patient and loving because I wasn't right. Ra- I was raised in a trailer park with bear- we'd eat like mayonnaise and ketchup sandwiches. I've had to work real hard. 
I was I was raised where there was drug deals going down, like, um, and that's part of why, I, like, you know, like there was people being shot and killed. <laughs> like, so I, I mean, there was a lot of white people, but <laughs> so I can I can be a little bit tough sometimes. Um, I'm super empathetic as long as you're trying, and when you're not trying, I'll get real sassy. <laughs> Um, so I'm the Lord has just been saying, Crystal, it's not going to help them. It's not going to help you. It's not going to help the kingdom, um, of, of this thing that he's trying to bring to the earth, this beautiful unity where if you do have more, you've got to use it. You've got to use your influence. You've got to use your finances. You've got to use it all. You've got to use it to pull the person up. You don't, I, I, I'll just tell you, I'm of a different school of thought. My husband and I, um, we won this like hundred thousand dollar, like competition a few years ago. We live like in kind of a ghetto area. I mean, it is, it's just, but we love it. And we did not change our lifestyle. We use that to help people, um, and to do more than we could have done. So we kept our driving our Kia, we kept living, you know, where we're at. Um, and that's just me. I'm not saying everyone's called to that, but me, I feel compelled to take the extra that I get and help, help the people around me. Cause people did that for me when I had nothing. I mean, my husband and I had no furniture, like our first six months we were married. I mean, you flush the toilet and you hear the water go down the wall. So anything's better than where we started out at. So for me, I'm okay with um, not being physically comfortable and stuff and doing without to help other people. And I really think like, that's how we've got to, like the Lord said, the earth is, um, it's his, but he gave us dominion over it. When Adam and Eve were in that garden, he started letting us name things us begin to cultivate the land, us begin to take care. Um, and he lets us take care and we're not doing our job. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Yo, that's dope, man. That's so dope. Like I'm glad that you, you, you put it out there and I love how you just said you're, you're trying to figure out how to do this for the long haul. You're not in this for the sprint because there are many people that are out. We keeping it real. There are many people out there that started because it was the hype last yeah. or the hype two weeks ago. Yeah. Now it's like you see it dwindling down. Yeah. Okay, Father's Day came. All right, yeah, they had Father's Day. Okay, Fourth of July came. Okay, we cool. We had a couple of holidays. Yeah. Like you're talking about four or five hundred years of people being beat and, and battered and bruised. Like even even with my family, like people, you know, that came from my family were, you know, and came from slavery days and stuff like that. And I'm just like, no, this is a marathon. And yeah. you have those people that are in your life that you know, right? That yeah. age and there's, they're not going to change, um, you know, for anything because they're setting their ways, right? But this That's is sad. This is the this is the dope part about God, right? And I'm not sure if you know this, but Pete Game, okay? I'm gonna ask you a question. How old do you think the disciples were? 
you know, I've never even thought about it. Mm. You had to they were, think that they were in their 20s or were they in their 30s or were they teenagers? I don't know. Okay, dang. Okay, I'm going to say... Man, okay, this is where my heathen is showing, okay? Because <laughs> I was not raised in church and in the Bible. <laughs> but just gathering, I would guess, I would guess they were mixed. Maybe some very young, maybe some more established. But I want to think they're very young. Well, check it out. What if I told you, what if I told you that- I'm bracing myself for this, okay. <laughs> that the only disciple that was the same age as Jesus was Peter, right? And the rest of them were under the age of 20 years old. Does that sound about- I believe that. Yeah, so here's why I say that, right? So remember the story where Peter um, had to go to the lake and grab a fish and grab a pearl and then go pay the temple tax, right? If you pay close attention to what Jesus said, okay? First, Peter, the, 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 all the disciples were in the temple at the time. All the disciples were using the temple. All the disciples were praying in the temple, right? Everybody. So the law was back then, right? If you are under 20 years old, you don't have to pay the temple tax. So anybody over the age of 20 has to pay the temple tax, right? So the Pharisee goes to Peter and asks Peter, don't you and Jesus pay the temple tax? Peter says, yeah, of course we pay the temple tax. I'm paraphrasing here. But mm -hmm. he, and Jesus is probably looking at him like, why would you tell him that I pay the temple tax? I'm God. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, why do yeah. I? It's my temple. Anyway, he says, okay, Peter, go to the lake, grab a fish, get a pearl, and pay the temple tax for you and for me. He said nothing about the other disciples. Why would he say for you and for me? These are the questions we have to actually ask. Why wouldn't he say pay the temple tax for me, you, and all of the disciples that are using the temple at the same time? So with that being said, it raises a question. What was the law back then? What was the context of that scripture back then? What was happening at that time? And the law back then said that anybody that was under the age of 20 did not have to pay the temple. Mm, it's interesting. But to believe that the disciples were some young guns. They were yeah. some boys. And here's why. Because it's really, really hard to change a man's ways that are deep into their 20s, deep into their 30s and their 40s. I've yeah. got some young bucks that don't know no better yet. Teach them yeah. how to do it. Years later, they then write the Gospels in the rest of the Bible. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right. It's wild. College, and then boom, years later, when they're mature enough, when their brain actually develops and your brain doesn't really develop until you're 25, 30 years old fully. So they were able to actually write this years later. And I'm just like, hmm, that's deep. So that's very what we should do 
on how do we fix this problem, we go to the young people. Yeah. We speak yeah. to the young people. We teach the young people and they create the solutions for today for tomorrow's problems. That's right. Yep. That's right. I mean, that's in the word and it's going to happen. <laughs> like, and, and that's what I keep watching as I keep thinking, just like with uh, the promised land, the old people died off and the young inherited the promise and their ways, their complaining, their old ideologies did not get to go inherit. Um, it was given to the young that were learned how to make merry in the desert. They learned how to live, survive in it. Mm -hmm. And they, um, you know, they weren't just expectant that they should be, you know, they were happy to get it. They, those ideologies, they died with that generation. And so I, I do, I agree. I think that's the one thing I spend a lot of time is I spend a lot of time mentoring and yeah. I actually probably learn way more and it's good for you. If you're an older person and you don't mentor anyone, do it because that will change you. Change that will change your mind real fast. Yeah. And, and if you think that there's no way in, go get a person and begin pouring into them. And what happens is God, the way he does, when you go to bless somebody, he flips the switch and puts it right back on you. Right. And yeah. And he will bless you and you will learn so much from them. Um, it's the biggest blessing in my life is mentoring people. There's a, there's a couple of girls right now and that I just dearly love and I spend time writing with them and they think we're writing songs, but we're not writing songs. We're, we're doing life together and we talk about things when we write songs. And so whatever it is you do, you know, if you sew, if you play tennis, if you play baseball, if you know, like, if you work at a grocery store, you know, there's a kid there that works there. Like it doesn't matter what phase you're in. There's somebody around you that not only, um, not only, um, do they need you? They don't, they might not know, but they want that. They, they deep down want it. And it's good to have somebody that is older, just take a, take a look at you and believe in you and pour into you when they can give you nothing in return but they will. And God will always bless that kind of mentality. When you go to show up and give what you've got, he'll turn the tables on you and he'll bless you in ways you can't even imagine. So that, that's a great way. I think for us that are older and getting into, you know, thirties and forties and fifties, um, if you want God to move through you and you don't mentor anyone, begin doing that look around you, um, like I just took, uh, there's a girl today that she's like 19 and she started like doing things on Instagram. I was like, this is more than just, um, oh, she's creating good. No, no, no. Like it's, she's got a future. And so I said, I called her on Monday and I just prayed and I was like, God, I think I, I'm, I want to take in someone and let them begin to help me. But in all reality, like. I'm hoping I'm helping, you know, I'm hoping I'm helping them develop something and a skill that they'll use for their future because artists, we need people to help create content. Um, and I just see talent. So look, look at that little, um, those small little pearls in people and that talent that God's placed within them and begin to speak into it and empower it and God will breathe on it. And then one day you'll, 
I mean, there's people that are, like, there's a girl that I had been walking with. She's, she's signed a record deal now. Like she's going to go do the thing. Yeah. yeah. You know, and hope for people more than for yourself. Like want them to succeed more than you yeah. want them to do better than you. Like there's nothing wrong. You're not missing out if somebody that's their future, where you're at is where God has you enjoy the ride, enjoy the journey, enjoy being the horse somebody rode in on. You know, like, like that's okay. Yeah. You got to be part of that. You got to be in, in, um, and they don't owe you anything. They don't owe you a thing. God allowed you to be part of that. That was his kindness yeah. allowing you to, to sow that Proverbs 31 woman. Uh, that's not just a woman. That's the bride of Christ. I think, you know, and you're considering people as fields and as you want to sow a seed into these people, it does not have to be financial. If you don't have finances, I bet you, you've got, you know, 20 minutes a week. You can call them up and see how they're doing. Yeah. There's wealth inside wisdom. There's wealth inside wisdom. I say that all the time now, you know? So listen, like, you know, we're, we're running out on time and everything, but two things left, right? One, with this pandemic and everything going on, you know, if you had all 7.5 billion people that are listening to Crystal Yates right here, right now, what encouraging words do you say to them to gear up for the second half of 2020? Because the first half of 2020 was crazy. We're in the second half now. What do you say to them? What do you sing to them, if you like, or whatever it is, to give them the encouragement that they need? Wow. That is, wow. That's such a loaded question, but in all honesty, I don't want to sound trite. I don't want to sound worship God through it. Just worship him and trust him. And you won't run out of breath because if he's your breath and he's your source of, and he's your provision and you worship through that because that doesn't make sense. It makes no sense to worship through hard times. Um, when our attention, you know, things are begging for our attention to look at the news, to look to the left, to look to the right, look at this. The only way you're going to be sustained is by God himself. And he is your rock. He is your source. He is your source of peace and joy and keep your eyes on him and he'll lead you through this. He'll take care of you. He'll protect you. It's not going to be perfect. You're going to see all kinds of crazy things going on. You yourself might be affected, but your eternal rest and soul is in him. And so if you will do something that takes faith, it takes faith to worship through hard times. It does not take faith to like, Ooh, God, I love you right now. Like, this is fun. Like, I just want, like, we went a hundred thousand dollars. Like, this is great. Okay. You know, you're, you're, you're succeeding, you're being um, successful, but when hard times and we don't know when this is going to end, it's very important to not, not look through the lens of um, the news, uh, fear. Um, and the only place you can get fear cast out of you is in the presence of perfect love um, and depositing faith into actually speaking praise and saying, God, I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I trust you. I believe in you. I, I believe you're good. I know things don't look good and you gave us the earth. We're doing a crappy job 
forgive us, you know, stay repentant and humble and worship him right on through it. And you will be surprised. I think when you do stop and look around how not unaffected you are, but how filled you are with this Holy spirit, um, that you like those pillars you talked about and that you can press up against them because of the inner strength that comes from worshiping and being in the presence of God, period. There, there's no other source. He is the source. Amen. There it is. There it is. Crystal Yates. Crystal Yates. Thank you so much for coming on the Touch Podcast. But before you go, we're going to play a little game. Are you down? Oh my gosh. If it is something that requires me to be like fast, I'm scared, but okay. let's do it. I'll try. I, okay. Something, a little known fact about me, and this is not, <laughs> I am dyslexic. <laughs> so, so it takes me a minute <laughs> to get the words out, but okay. I'm ready. No problem. So we're going to play a game called in the clutch. I'm Kenny clutch. And we're going to play <laughs> in the clutch. Okay. So okay. I started a group. Uh, called In The Clutch back in 2009. That was my first dance company. And In The Clutch is an acronym, and it's spelled I-N-D-A-C-L-U-T-C-H, right? Okay. So for, it stands for Inspirational Dancers Creatively Linking Upon the Culture of Hip-Hop. Okay. That's good. I'll give you a letter, and then you give me a positive word with that letter. Okay. Okay. It can even be a word out the Bible if you want. It doesn't matter. All right? I'm sweating. Okay. All right. Here we go. C. C. Care. Caring. L. Love. That's a given. U. Um, unity. T. Tenacity. C. Uh, carry on. H. Help, like ask for help. Thank you so much for coming on the Clutch Vision podcast. So shout out to Instagram. Where can the people find you at? Where can you find the music at? Tell, tell them, talk to them. Yeah, if you go on iTunes or any of the music platforms, if you look up Crystal Yates, it's C-R-Y-S-T-A-L, um, Y-A-T-S, you can check out my music. You can also, um, on Facebook and Instagram, um, I am Crystal Yates Music. So everywhere, if you look up Crystal Yates Music, you're going to find me. And uh, thank you so much for having me on. This is this is a, a really... i got to have you back <laughs> You know, I gotta, I gotta bring you back on again. Thank you. Thank you so much, Kenny. For sure, for sure. So listen up, everybody. If you are watching this on YouTube, make sure you guys like, subscribe, comment below. If you're listening to this on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts, give us a nice little review. Go ahead and share this with your mama, your daddy, your uncle, your auntie, your sister, your grandma, your grandpa, your stepdaughter, your stepson. I don't care who it is. Share it with your, your stepdog, your stepcat. Share it with everybody that needs to hear this message and let's get this this podcast to be the number one podcast in the world, spilling out positivity every single day, every single week. And remember, July 25th is going down. The shift 
Makers virtual motivation event hosted by yours truly, myself, King Clutch. My wife, Johnson Thomas, is going to be speaking. Also, Jason Johnson, home parent coach, is going to be uh, speaking as well, too. We are going to help you guys make the shift in your life, guys. Making the shift. Shift Makers 2020 is here, July 25th. The link will be in the description below. Go ahead and sign up. It's $25 per family, not per person, per family. Make it a whole party at your house, wherever you guys are going to be at. We're coming to you live. We're coming to you virtual. We're going to give you guys the tool that you guys need to make the shift in your life so that you can start making the shift in other people's lives. Ladies and gentlemen, listen, share this with, you, with, with everyone that needs to hear this. Share with somebody that you love, okay? And remember, like I always say, when we change the mind, we change the game. Yesterday is gone. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Today is all we have. And if today is all we have, you impact the day the best way you know how. It's your boy, Kenny Clutch, and the Clutch Baby Podcast. I'll check y'all later. Peace.